Okay, I uh, I want to welcome everyone here. And by the way, if you want to chat with me, you're welcome to do it. Um, I'm planning on kind of going over Kevin Roberts uh, on at the World Economic Forum. Kevin Roberts is the president of Heritage Foundation. I just wanted to share some stuff that I was watching there. As we're going through what's happening right now in America, just after the New Hampshire win of Donald Trump, and it's becoming inevitable Donald Trump's going to be president or going to be the GOP nominee. I believe he's going to be president. But I want to share with you something related to a discussion that was had at the World Economic Forum. It has an even better light now since the news is out that Nikki Haley is is losing her funding base. Reed Hoffman, the Democrat who has been supporting her, he's done. He's announced that he's it's all over with. That's been recorded. So we're we're moving down the path of Trump as the GOP nominee. What does that mean? And again, if you want to chat, go ahead and put something in the chat box there. I'm glad to to answer your questions or whatever. So I get to uh, let me just do this here. So we're going uh, we're going to talk about this uh, statement by Kevin Roberts at World Economic Forum. The first part I'm going to play here is him uh, in his initial address when he's first called upon. This forum is what will a Trump administration look like if it happens, and uh, <clears throat> this is what he talks about. He brings in a little bit of information about what um, to expect of administration folks. Let me get that up there for you, sorry. And then let me play it. And I'll be candid here because I think I've been invited here to be candid. The kind of person who will come into the next conservative administration. And I'll be candid here because I think I've been invited here to be candid. The kind of person who will come into the next conservative administration is going to be governed by one principle, and that is destroying the grasp that political elites and unelected technocrats have over the average person. And if I may, I will be candid and say that the agenda that every single member of the administration needs to have is to compile a list of everything that's ever been proposed at the World Economic Forum (laughs) and object all of them wholesale. Anyone not prepared to do that and take away this power of the unelected bureaucrats and give it back to the American people is unprepared to be part of the next conservative administration. So I love that. I just, I love that response. He's saying it straight up to folks of the World Economic Forum. You're going to see more of this play out. I thought it was just really amazing. And, um, but I will you know, say this, was, that Trump, Trump oh, does, sorry about this. we were going to well, talk about retribution uh, to you. Trump, Trump, Trump talks a lot about retribution. In the background. I'm pause Trump. Okay. Gerard Baker of the Wall Street Journal was there. After Kevin had made this statement, uh, frankly, he went on tirade. I mean, this is, this is really, really baby stuff. He, he sounds so important. These folks, uh, let me just get the circuit that up. These folks sound so important, so interesting to, to people who are technocrats. But notice this. Kevin Roberts started out saying it needs to be nothing on the World Economic Forum agenda. That is a clear message. And if Donald Trump is acting in that manner, 
first of all, you're going to continue to have people freaking out, but you're going to have real life changes that are good for Americans. This should be part of his messaging that will cause him to become president after November. And of course, you know, well, let me, let, well, I, I want to get to that. Hold on. There are two clips of uh, Gerard Baker here of the Wall Street Journal. Let me play this first one for you. But I will say this. Look, Trump, Trump does, we were going to talk about retribution to you. Trump, Trump, Trump talks a lot about retribution. Trump, is, there is absolutely no question, I think, everybody here would have to acknowledge that Trump's instincts are certainly not what one might call in line with traditional constraints of Republican democracy. Now, and I'm going to, we're going to clarify that more, but let me just stop right there and say this. The instincts, the normal restraints of Republican democracy. Be careful always when people make statements. They will equivocate. And what is equivocation? Equivocation is taking a term, giving it, uh, let it, uh, and taking from its normal meaning that you might regularly consider it to be and shifting the definition of it suddenly to suit your needs. That's exactly what's happening here when you talk about the normal restraints of Republican democracy. The normal restraints of Republican Republican democracy have nothing to do with the leaders. The restraints of Republican democracy are placed upon it by people, not by politicians, not by bureaucrats, but by people. So there are no restraints. The only restraint for a politician in a Republican democracy is that which is placed upon them in the constitutional uh, framework and that which they can also, within that, get by with when they attempt to get elected. So this is why Donald Trump, who can seemingly be so outrageous to many people, when he's on the campaign trail. That's why this peop, these, these idiots, they can't even deal with the fact that Donald Trump acts the way he does and wonder, how does this guy get elected? Why can he get elected? Well, the reason he can is because the people decided to allow him. You don't restrain candidates in a Republican democracy. What you restrain is government. Government is restrained in a Republican democracy. And that restraint is clearly defined within the constitutional framework that has been laid out there. So when when Gerard Baker said that, just he's equivocating. He's lying to you about what he means by Republican democracy because it's not what he says. Let me let him go on now. I, he just put out a statement today. Some of you may have seen it. Uh, he's actually contesting, you know, he's facing Trump. these various uh, legal cases. And, and part of one of his defenses is going to be, is one, which this is a case that's going to be heard by the Supreme Court, is whether or not a president has immunity for any action, any action that he uh, takes in office, complete legal immunity for any action. And just to, you know, just to just give you more of a flavor of, of, of obviously of the man, he put out a statement today saying, a president of the United States must have full immunity without which it will be impossible for him to, or her to properly function. Any mistake, even if well intended, would be met with almost certain indictment by the opposing party at term end. Even events that quote unquote, cross the line, must fall under total immunity. Now, before he comments on that, think about that statement for a moment. What did he say? Now, 
the question that's that's just going to freak out Gerard Baker here is even those that cross the line, right? That's 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 what he's going to hit at here. Donald Trump said even things that cross the line are a problem. Now, you and I listen to that, and this is what we tell ourselves. We say, well, yeah, we don't want presidents sitting in office of whatever party to be constantly subject to lawsuits. By the way, there are certain cases where we will accept that. The ones where we won't accept it is when there's an obvious political motivation. It has to, in, in, in other words, it, well, the other thing is, too, that constitutionally no president can be subject to lawsuits related to their actions in office. Now, they, there is an argument that can be made that their actions outside of their time that, of what happened when they're presently sitting in office, that those should be adjudicated afterwards, not during. That's really the, the substance of what uh, Trump's trying to address there. Again, Gerard Baker equivocates the issue because he he's, doesn't present the issue as it is or what it is constitutionally. I think some of that has to do with the fact he's a very smart guy, but some of that has to do with the fact that he he grew up in England. He did not grow up in the United States and, and wasn't imbibed in the American uh, uh, construct, constitutional construct from his youth. He certainly understands it to a certain degree. I think he's maybe looked at it, but he doesn't fully understand it. Or if he does, he's totally lying to you. So anyway, let me let him uh, go on and explain. So remember, he Trump, he's just addressing a true social statement where Trump said that no president should be uh, charged for uh, and, and sought after legal in any legal manner if on anything that he does as president. So and let let Gerard Baker finish off. So uh, <laughs> this is so that, again. We know this is this is we, we know enough about Trump now, and he's, yep. he's spelling it out for us. My apologies. Again, while I think it's absolutely reasonable to be concerned about Trump's character, about his personality, about this kind of thing, about the way he sees the 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 rather expansive idea he has about the uh, the uh, the role of the executive and his particular the role of the president the presidency, and we should be concerned about that, and Americans should be concerned, and the rest of the world should be watching it. I wouldn't get carried away with uh, this idea that. Uh, that it's either you know sort of Germany 1933 or Italy 1923 that we're in America 2024. No, I'm, I'm so so look where he went with this. I, I had I had put a pause in there because I had a plan for it. But look look at where he goes with all this. He gets to the point where he is wanting to tell you what will be the mandate. Sorry, of the American I'm, gonna, people, I'm learning this uh, thing here. He's going to want to tell you. Hey, don't worry. He's not Mussolini. The constitutional restraints are going to hold him from being Mussolini or Hitler. <laughs> These elites have no clue at all anything about Donald Trump. He he befuddles them. He they they don't even register with who he is because they have no understanding of why Donald Trump is who he is or why he has any degree of popularity. The reason he has popularity, people like Gerard Baker and people at the World Economic Forum don't get. The reason he has that popularity is because he, the, the people like them have so gone overboard. That's the biggest problem here. By the way, keep com you're welcome to comment because I'm going to be watching them eventually, but I want to get through these things with you. So 
Gerard Baker makes an implication that, oh, yeah, 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 Donald Trump is Hitler. He's Mussolini. But don't worry, we've got constitutional restraints to hold him back. What we what the constitutional restraints are for certainly is to hold back any person in government that would go across the line, not a politician who seems like that. And and I would argue that the threats we have in this country are from other types of politicians, not the Donald Trump types, because they're the ones that went after Donald Trump in his first term and that have been going after him since. Those are the people to worry about, not Donald Trump. So share this around, by the way, with people. If you're watching this, share it with others because I want to be able to give them an opportunity. Before I go, because I'm going to give you... So Gerard Baker's worried about the election, and I'm going to share something, Gerard Baker of the Wall Street Journal, for those of you who just joined us, and I'm going to share that clip here in just a moment. I've got it queued up. I want to look at some questions. Uh, Trump, uh, J- John Smith says Trump has a point. The Dems have set a precedent of attacking their political opponents to the extent of subverting our constitution. Absolutely. And I would argue that our constitution gets subverted far beyond that. It's subverted by the very function of government right now. We have a Congress that doesn't even pay attention to the constitution. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go on from there. Thanks, John Smith, by the way, for sharing that. Okay, so let me let me share this with you. Now, take into account, Kevin Roberts had just said that the next Trump administration, anyone in there, should look at the World Economic Forum agenda and reject every bit of it and work against it. And Gerard Baker just said, you know, hey, this this weirdo Trump guy, you know, is it goes crazy and we're used to him being crazy. But by the way, don't worry, the Hitler and the Mussolini in him will not come out uh, because we have a constitutional restraints. <laughs> OK, well, yeah, that's the case. But but Trump's not Hitler and Mussolini. So let me play this uh, little clip. Watch this exchange between Kevin Roberts and Gerard Baker because Gerard Baker is going to challenge Kevin Roberts on the next election. Watch this. What will be the mandate of the American people if, A, the mandate tends to be a popu- not a plurality of the vote? If, if he and wins the 50, election, 50 the country. mandate's clear. Right. Kevin keeps saying if he wins the election. Can I ask Kevin, is there any conceivable way in which if he win- loses the election, he will accept that he's lost the election, or, would you add, or whether you would accept that? What was the last part? Do you accept, would you accept if he loses the election that he's lost the election, or would if, it be like if, last if time? We're, if we're sure that there's election integrity, but I'm not sure that we can be. Well, yeah, we're not, <laughs> so, we're, I think you've answered my question there. So listen to that. Everybody in the audience is out there saying, oh boy, well, uh, <laughs> I just, these people are just outrageous. I think that there is a good question about what's what the integrity of our elections are going to be. By the way, I'm not the type of person who's out there saying that it was the Dominion voting machines that stole the election. Maybe one of you listening to me or that gets to this uh, video as it stays on my timeline might have a different opinion on that. I don't frankly think our problem with elections is Dominion. I'm convinced that our problem with elections is primarily mail voting. Now, there's a difference. There's mail voting and there's absentee ballots. Mail ballots and absentee ballots. What's the difference? An absentee ballot is a solicited mail ballot. And historically in this country, those mail ballots are uh, require or have a requirement 
for an affidavit to be signed. If you're going to ask for it, then there are restrictions on what you can do and what the reasons for which you can request that absentee ballot. Those have been highly restrictive for most of our history to things like uh, being an invalid, um, being out of the country on business, um, and, and, and various other things, uh, being in a nursing home and not having access to a voting booth, whatever. And, and, and even though I think absentee ballots do have some risks and some potential problems, we really can't get rid of them, in my opinion. But they should be an app affidavit whereby if you misrepresent yourself, you are subject to criminal penalty and uh, and that they must be solicited, not just sent out. A mail ballot is a ballot that's just sent out to the voter registration list. Democrats have fought for quite a few years now to keep uh, reg- voter registration lists from being cleaned up. Now, the, the, uh, the, the post office has what's called an NCOA list, okay? It's the, it's the list that comes out, and it comes out maybe daily. I think it's every week. It comes out, and it's, it's the national change of address list. So everyone that changes an address and reports it to the post office, it's regularly reported. It's a very live update. It's very frequent. And mail houses use that NCOA list to correct addresses or to find bad addresses to knock them out of their list so they don't waste mail. Every voter registration list in every state can do exactly the same thing. They can go in and do that NCOA list. They can run the voter registration list against it. They can change the registration address for anyone send out something in the mail to that new address to confirm if that's their new address, or they could send it to the old address to verify it. They should be doing this on the odd years before election years. Then they send those cards out. They see if they actually really bounce back, validate that this uh, change of address happened. There are many ways to do this, but they never to undertake the effort. Why do Democrats not want that? They don't want it because they want it to go to bad addresses so that they can uh, massage the out, the outcome of the election so that they can make sure to follow up on people who are Democrats to get them to send those ballots back. Now, they plausible deniability. We just made a phone call to them and people have their mobile phones. That they keep their mobile phone number typically. Oh, just, you know, whatever. The, the, Her- the uh, Heartland Institute hired Rasmussen to do a poll They went out and found people. This just happened this year. They went out and found people who had um, received a mail ballot and voted by mail ballot. They asked, the number was uh, almost 1,100 people. The the plus or minus was about 3% on this poll. They asked them various questions like, did you sign a ballot that wasn't yours and return it? Did you send your ballot in even though you live in a different state? Did you help someone else fill out their ballot like it, it, which, like you're not supposed to do? In all of these cases, between 17 and 21% of people responded, yes. See, that's the major risk of our elections is these illegally handled mail ballots. We should get rid of mail voting in this country by every means necessary. Now, mail voting is going to happen. 
So you should do it. Okay, so anyway, I've spent a little time on that, and that's a topic for an entire space. But I want to, I wanted to um, make sure, and you're going to hear something here real quick. I apologize. Uh, what I wanted to make sure that you heard that so that you could uh, evaluate uh, what is what uh, Kevin Roberts' concerns are. Gerard Baker and the people in the audience at the World Economic Forum were just trying to laugh him out of the room. But the reality is we can't always be assured how well our elections are being operated. And just on mail ballots alone from that post or from that uh, poll I shared with you or talked to you about, that alone should make us concerned. And these people should not be laughing. Why are they laughing? They don't care if the elections go well or are treated properly. They just want their outcome because they're going to enforce it upon you. Donald Trump and his supporters don't want that. And rightly so. Kevin Roberts rightly doesn't want it. Okay, so I want to go to this. Now, uh, there was another uh, set of questions. I'm going to let the guy who's moderating this, whose name I forget, I'm going to let him kind of prep this out for you. And I want you to hear what he has to say. I'm probably pause it and make a couple comments along the way, but pay close attention. Because uh, I said something we talked about before that we bring up. And, and let's be come back. Kevin, let me come to you because I said I wanted, it's quite good in the way that Jerry set it up. What did the president, what do you think, uh, a President Trump, he's the president from being the former president, but if there were a new President Trump, what uh, does he mean by retribution? And what is the issue calling out very specifically a former attorney general and former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? I'm going to stop there right for a moment. Politics can involve retribution in uh, uh, in appropriate ways. I have worked in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill, I've done national and state-level politics for 30 years. I do not believe that your number one goal as a politician should be retribution. I don't believe that as a primary consideration. But I will tell you this, and, and that just comes from my Christian conviction, and I've, I've, I've operated in that way. I, I, I don't have vendettas against people. I don't believe in vendettas. But I will tell you this, the purpose and role of people elected to office is to fix problems that others created that previously were in those offices or sitting in that location. So if Donald Trump becomes president, I don't want him to spend waste his time just getting back at people who harmed him. What I want him to do is to correct the problems, and that may include uh, lawsuits, you know, legal action. It might include that. It doesn't have to always include that. But you need to fix the problems that others caused. And then if there's a legal problem, you need to be aggressive and purposeful in going after the people who did harm because they did harm, not because you don't like them. That is a part of politics. That's why we elect people to balance out all these problems. So when you hear about this and people in the world, oh my gosh, retribution, what would you do that for? Well, I would do that because you idiots at the World Economic Forum want to take all my liberties away. So yeah, I want to take you down. So let me let me let him go on. This gets to the the key question, and you're you're just gonna love <laughs> after you hear what this guy says. Pay close attention to what he's about to say, and then what Kevin Roberts says in response. It's fantastic. You are absolutely gonna love this. You're gonna want to give money to Heritage Foundation because Kevin Roberts. I'm just really impressed with this guy. He's fantastic. And so on. I mean, it, it sounds very personal. 
Um, and you said to yourself a minute ago, anyone who's kind of not with the program is not going to be in, in an administration. Um, you know, one thing that Davos, you might say, and the people come here stand up for is liberal democracy. So if the idea that's going to be swept under the table is part of the idea, hopefully that's not what he means. What do you mean? What do you the assumption that it's liberal democracy is going to be swept under the rug, like the WEF stands for. Listen to Kevin Roberts. Do you think he means by retribution? Well, it's laughable that you would or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's equally, Standing up for it. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and, and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And, and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But the, the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites Before he does that, catch that. That's a fantastic statement. He has called out Davos for what it is. I don't know how many of you saw this, and I'm going to do a reaction video on this uh, sometime, so watch for it. It'll be in my timeline. And by the way, if you like what I'm doing here, please consider subscribing to me. That really helps me do this. Uh, it just kind of offsets my time and the things I want to do. And, I, and a lot of people seem to appreciate what I'm doing. Uh, and, and if you want to comment and ask me a question, go ahead and use the chat. Um, it is really important to understand that government actors within the government, bureaucrats and many elected people, are not the people we look to for help in life. They shouldn't be ever. The big problem that we have going on right now, whether it's Davos, whether it's uh, the current administration in the White House, whether it's Congress, many congressmen, our big problem is those people think that they're the most important ones in what's going on in this country. And they're not, or shouldn't be, for sure. It's funny because... Uh, it really impresses people because I know a whole lot of people that you watch on TV every day. My wife and I will sit by the TV and about and watch. It doesn't matter if it's whatever news. We're mostly watching Newsmax right now, but even if it's Fox News or even MSNBC, it's like about a third to half of the people that are being interviewed on those programs. I know in some form or fashion, either I'm acquainted with them or I actually know them, and we kind of laugh at that. Everyone thinks that's cool. I, I, I know I, these are our celebrities, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And they shouldn't be. Being a congressman should be about as important as being a janitor, honestly. Like, your job is highly re restricted. You should not be our celebrities. A president always was going to be somewhat of a celebrity in our country because it's one man or woman in one position that... Uh, of, of its very nature represents a country. That was always going to happen. Congressmen were, and, and, and people that work in administrations should never have been celebrities, and they totally are right now, in a sense. So he addresses that very well. Let me let uh, Kevin go on now. Tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on. 
on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum is climate change. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, ba based on climate change are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. Okay. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood, and do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. By the way, when he said not because he's a dictator, he looked right over at Gerard Baker of the Wall Street Journal, and he was rebuking him, as he rightly should have. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. Fantastic statement. Now, notice what he's saying. He, he, he gets this right. And if you hear something, I'm, I, then it's just because... The global business community... Hold on just a second. Sorry about this. The I'm top gonna... concern for the next two... Okay, so we're going to get to this in just a minute. Anyway, so... Um, two years. Uh, oops, sorry about that. It's uh, not common. Uh, apologize. <laughs> Live. Um, so, what's, what's really amazing about that statement that Kevin Roberts made is that he, he gets it perfectly. People spend in government, spend their time worrying about what they think people ought to be doing, thinking, saying, uh, worried, and, and, and to tell them what to worry about most of the time because what they want you to worry about is something that will pay off their benefactors that get them into positions of political power. That's basically what's happening there, typically. Kevin Roberts points that out. This is why Donald Trump is going to walk away with the GOP nomination because your average Republican voter gets this. By the way, your average Republican in Washington, D.C. does not get anything about their voters. They betray them regularly. They turn on them. They don't try to fight when they need to.
everyone recognizes when you've got a tough uphill battle, but when you keep losing the fights constantly over and over again, which we have done since the Tea Party movement in 2010, when Republicans were swept in with 64 new members and then they immediately caved into the Washington construct. That's why the House Freedom Caucus became a thing because everyone was ignored. The whole thing was entirely ignored. And and I, I wrote an article. You need to check out my Substack If you go to locategym.com, you'll get a link to it. Every Speaker of the House we've had, Boehner, then um, uh, Paul Ryan, then Pelosi went in, then Kevin McCarthy. We cut off their heads. In, in both the cases of Boehner and Ryan, they resigned, or in Ryan's case, he didn't run again because they knew a motion to vacate was coming. You, you remember that big thing that happened at the end of last year? That was going to happen. Boehner and Ryan knew it was going to happen to them. They didn't want to go through it, so Boehner resigned, and then Ryan decided not to run for re-election. Then this, that did happen to Kevin McCarthy. Their heads were chopped off three times. Nothing's changed. We're about to, to pass a new continuing resolution with no policy changes, with no attempt to fight on anything, even if they kept the spending levels the same and got reforms and immigration. I think people would call that a win. Now, I wouldn't be very happy with that, but I'd certainly be more happy than what we're doing right now. That's not happening. Once again, we keep going. I, I talk about this. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. I'm going to talk about this in my Substack article. So go to locategym.com and check out my Substack. Read that article. I think you'll find it important. And again, quick pitch, subscribe to my Substack as a paid subscriber or subscribe to me here on Twitter. You know, if you would, I'd appreciate it. I think you would enjoy the time. So let's go to the next thing and then we'll go close out with this. Ursula van der Leyen, she is the EU commissioner, the European Union Commission commissioner. She's the head commissioner. Said something at Davos that should just anger everybody, and I think it will anger you. Um, that's an outrage. But this is what these people are thinking. Th- their intent upon harming you. I believe a wave is coming in 2024 that's going to change everything worldwide. There are like 32 countries that have elections this year. And I, I, think, I think you're going to see a lot of changes like Javier Malay in Argentina. I think you're going to see some very interesting things happen. But if it doesn't, this is what you've got instead. The global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate and our geopolitical climate. Okay, so I just wanted you to hear that. Now listen, I got to tell you the most absurd thing about that. It's so absurd. What's the problem? She says it's misinformation and disinformation. Notice what she said was not the main problem. She didn't say they're not problems, but she said they're not the main problem. Spending money on wars, (laughs) climate change, 
Those are the things that she says aren't the most great grave concerns. It's misinformation and disinformation. Why is that? Because they want to foist that agenda upon us by shutting down your speech. The greatest threat they believe is you. It's not them. It's not their agenda. Their agenda totally destroys freedom. It totally harms economies. And it makes wealthy people wealthier. Wealthy people don't get wealthier because of tax breaks. Wealthy people don't get wealthier because they're able to run a business and make it grow large. Wealthy people get wealthier because government gives them special benefits. That's what these people do. And they're going to continue to do it as long as we allow them. And I'm going to leave you with this. Here, this November in the United States, we have an opportunity. You see, our Constitution was designed to allow for a peaceful revolution every two years to, uh, on the federal level and it, it, subsequently on the state levels too, by the way, as a way to clean the system out if we will do so. We haven't been making it a revolution because typically on the federal level, we reelect 90% of the people who are up for election in, as incumbents. 90% of them get reelected. That's our fault. That's on us. That's a real, real problem. The preamble to the Constitution says this. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, we the people, and then it lists all the things to do to, to make that happen. The preamble of the Constitution was not designed to introduce the Constitution, which is the legal document that runs this country. No, it's part of the legal document. It is the fundamental aspect. It is the linchpin of the Constitution. Why? Because it introduces the idea of what historians and political science professors call popular sovereignty. Basically, popular sovereignty is just another way to say this. You and, and all the citizens of the United States collectively are the sovereigns. You're the king not the government, not um, the congressman, no one, no, no one in, in the White House, no one on Capitol Hill. They're not the sovereigns. They don't run this country. You do. You run this country. You are the sovereign king of this country, collectively as voters. That's what we need to reassert at elections. This is why what guys like Scott Pressler are doing to try to get voters engaged and to get them registered to vote and then activate them to the polls. That's why uh, House Freedom Caucus, by the way, is starting a state-by-state -state effort to get good legislators in the state governments to stand against the cronyism that takes place there as well, too. Missouri just recently, just real quick, that they started a House Freedom Caucus just days ago. And the leadership, the Republican leadership in the Missouri House and Senate, they have kicked all these people off their committees just for starting a House Freedom Caucus. Elites do not want you to have power. They believe that they have power. But it's not the case if you will keep asserting yourselves at the polls. Don't be afraid of mail ballots. We, we will change that in the future. Don't be afraid of that right now. If you want to use a mail ballot, use it. Make sure that it happened, that it got there. 
If you want to go to your county clerk and vote there along the way, vote there. Get all the votes in that you can right now. They're playing their game. Let's go ahead and play ours by showing up. By volunteering with the campaign to make sure that votes get there, that voters get to the polls, that they vote. And then, and more important, most importantly, do not accept the fact that the guy, the celebrity, as I mentioned earlier at the, near the beginning of this, that the celebrity that, you're, that is your politician, don't treat him like a celebrity. They're not celebrities. They happen to be in the public eye, of course, and they should be. We want transparency, but they're not celebrities. They can talk a good game. Celebrities do this. They talk, but they don't actually do. When you watch a uh, a, a, a series uh, that's maybe a um, you know a, a, a cop series, those actors aren't doing anything. Remember the one actor who said, "I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV." That's what actors do. It's also what politicians do. They act on TV. The question is, do they vote that way? You need to find that out. And if they don't, you need to kick them out. Everything's at stake in this election. I hope you'll get involved. I hope you will not take what they tell you and go elect people who want to change this world for the better. Thanks for taking some time with me. I saw quite a few of you in and I appreciate it. And I hope to do this again soon.